Welcome to episode 213 of the Thunder Underground podcast. Trent and Jason here. And this week, we've got half of Bunnies of Doom. That's something I never thought we would be saying. Right. Not, not that it's unfathomable because both these guys have been on the podcast multiple times. Yes. But just to say that they are here representing Bunnies of Doom is something I didn't think we would be saying. I, I know. And it's it's awesome that we're saying it. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. David Cantrell and Stacy Lane are both here. And this is episode 213, so we, we could add someone from Slayer on. You know, but thankfully, Stacy and Dave probably both like Slayer. So. Well, who doesn't? <laughs> Have you ever heard anyone say, you know, I don't like Slayer? I've seen people say that before. Like, if it's like not I'm your like, thing, that's yeah. fine. But somebody go, you know, I fucking hate Slayer. Right. <laughs> you're not going to find a, a rock fan or a, I mean, I mean, I don't know. Maybe you would, but right. God, we just jumped right into Tangent City there, didn't we? That's what we do. Well, yeah, true. We're good. we should just start a podcast called Tangent City. Yeah, I, I like it, and there would be like no Broad City, but there would be yeah, no discernible fucking topic because you just never know where it's going to go. <laughs> right. I think we're on to something. They've already got something with that. It's called the Josta Show. Yeah, no shit. Because <laughs> he always. He always asks a question that you've always wanted to know about somebody, and then right when they start their answer, he interrupts them and go and has a tangent, and then it goes off onto that. And next thing you know, they're talking about the 1968 Oakland A's or some shit, and they never come back to what the fuck you wanted them to talk about. Yeah, and it's frustrating. I agree. <laughs> well, before we get into this bunnies of doom talk. We need to let you know that we are sponsored by Med Farm and DEB Concerts. <clears throat> Med Farm is a dispensary located in Broken Arrow. They are between Broken Arrow and Coweta off 51. Their address is 24683 East Highway 51. Can't miss them. They are cannabis with a cause because 30% of their profits are going to help build no-kill animal shelters in this area, which is... A highly noble cause, I do believe. So, very cool to to have them on board with us. You can get out there if you don't have a card. They have a doctor on site every Friday and Saturday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And if you mention that you heard about them right here on the podcast, just say Thunder Underground and they'll give you a 10% discount. How awesome is that? You gotta love that. Yeah, that's great. But yeah, they have a great selection. They're great people, so... Get by there and check them out and see what they got to offer. We are also sponsored by DEB Concerts. They've been bringing a ton of concerts to the Tulsa area here for the past over two years. All kinds of great bands like recently Saxon, Sebastian Bach, Tom Kiefer, Dokken, Striper, Steelheart, Warrant, Winger, a ton more. And now they are bringing Snoop Dogg. Which is funny to say I mean, that after all the on. bands I just said. How awesome is that? That's great. Snoop Dogg. That's kind of, this kind of goes in with what you said about Slayer. Even if someone isn't into hip-hop, you don't hear people say, well, fuck Snoop Dogg. No, never. Why <laughs> would you? Because he's fucking cool, you know? He's a national treasure. That's right. And and it's and the fact that, you know, DEB has got them coming to town, that's, you know, really something to, to hang your hat on. That's right. You know, they're moving up and upward and onward and... You know exactly what you want to do when when you start an enterprise like this. Yeah, that show also features Nelly. So if it's hot in here, just take off all your clothes, right? 
<coughs> not you. I don't okay. want to see that. But okay. you know, whatever. The show also features Chromio. I don't know anything about Chromio to be able to make a pun here. So anyway, <laughs> go to Ticketmaster.com to get your tickets. This is April twelfth at the BOK Center, and that's DB Concerts is co-promoting the show. So like you said, it's a big deal. Fucking A, Randy. Yeah, and they also will have more shows coming to the Ideal Ballroom. Of course. This year and the stage at Rocklahoma, the D&B Processing Stage that is in the Roadhouse area this year, features acts that were booked by D&B concerts, such as Ace Freely, Lita Ford, Slaughter. Bisto Blanco. Right. Strutter. Yep. And then we've got a lot of area to Oklahoma and regional bands like Solidify, the Normandies. Driver, Dead Metal Society, Poster Child, Doxy, Down for Five, um, Rocket Science, Mud Flux, Grind, yep, and Zen Hipster. Hell yes. Yep. So, that'll be all at Rocklahoma this Memorial Day weekend. So when you're out there to see Ozzy and Disturbed and everybody else on the bill, be sure that you get over the D&B processing stage to support all these great bands as well. Definitely. All right. So the subject at hand is Bunnies of Doom. Well. But you've got something else it looks like to say. I have a couple of items I kind of want to sound off on real quick. Okay. Um, uh, I, I, I've, I'm a little grumpy lately, a little cranky. And so I'm just going to bitch. And okay. if you have a problem with it, anybody, then go fuck yourself. <laughs> First off, so, you know, I like to listen to Eddie Trunk. Um, you know, there's always, you know, the 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 callers always kind of amaze me. You know, there's always one or two that just callers. It just makes me shake my goddamn head. Right. So anyway, but but then that's like kind of a main draw. But what, what he he was talking about at Tesla show he went to the other night. Um, and he said that Eddie Trunk and he said that. Um, it was a great show. They had really changed up their set list. They played like Need Your Lovin'. And yeah. they're just, you know, anyways, he said, you know, when a lot of these legacy bands, you know, when they, when they go into a new song, it's always usually a bathroom break. He's like, we've all, we've all known that for years. But when they went into shock, I mean, he said it was, he thought something was wrong because so many people just headed for the door, like, you know, and just headed for the lobby. Like he thought, he he said it looked like two to three hundred people. He thought, is there something going on? I I don't know. What's what's up? And then you know, and, and then once they kicked into love song, all these people came back in. Okay, so I'm just I I absolutely fucking hate that. That's fucking bullshit. And I'm tired of all these goddamn. Hair farming, KMOD, old rockers, these fucking relics, man. Nirvana took my metal. You know, they bitch and bitch about all their music being gone. And these bands are still, 30 years later, clawing their way back. Some of them have made it back. Some of them are still trying to do it. And you bitch and bitch about, you know, oh, man, what happened to the good time metal and the good time rock? Fucking grunge killed it. I can't do nothing now. Well, these bands are here and they're trying to fucking do it and they're trying to, to, to get your attention. And all you want to hear is, you know, fucking something to believe in 
uh, 80 times over. Fuck you. You're part of the fucking problem. Just stay fucking home with your bald spot and your fucking Bud Light Orange and your fucking copy of, you know, the first Night Ranger record. <laughs> stay fucking home. That's you're a part decent of the record. Uh, it is, but know you know saying. what I'm trying to I say. I know what you're saying, sir. <laughs> You idiots are part of the problem, and that's bullshit. You you bitch so bad about these bands wanting and wanting these bands back and wanting this music. Well, here it is, and God forbid, you know they're artists. They always want to create. They always want to do something new. It doesn't mean doesn't just because you turn forty or fifty. Well, I'm just gonna paint the same fucking painting I've always painted. No, and so. You know, if you're not going to support them, stay fucking home. You suck. So that's one thing I wanted to bitch about. Right. That's done. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, so there you go. If you have a problem, email me. We'll talk about it. I don't give a shit. <clears throat> so anyways, the next thing is um, my girlfriend and I went to nothing more last week in Oklahoma City. And it, it was a cool show, um, you know. Uh, nothing more of Mice and Men. That kind of stuff isn't normally my thing, but I really enjoyed of Mice and Men. I thought they were cool. Bad Flower too, right? Yeah, we did not get there in time for that. Oh, okay. Though. Um, they're pretty cool, and they're pretty good. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, and Nothing More was cool. They have a great visual kind of thing going on. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, it, that's a group of bands that is you know not really something I listen to, but I have no problem with. I think all those bands are good. And I need to listen to him more. But, you know, there was there what there was a lot of at this show, which I've seen at a few different shows this past year or two, is people bringing little kids to these fucking, you know, small theater and club shows. Just because they're all, and I'm not talking about 10, 12-year-old, 13-year-old kids. I get that. That's the age we all start fucking going to concerts. I'm talking about, like, you know, three, five-year-old kids you know, I mean, there was one little kid up against the wall with a blanket asleep, completely unattended. What? Completely fucking unattended during this concert. Wow. And, and there was, and there was, I saw three or four instances of that. And, you know, uh, back earlier in the year when we, we went to see NACO and Medicine for the People, these goddamn hippies were bringing their kids fucking and making them sleep on the benches on the side, you know? Like little, you know, four or five year old kids. It's like this, that's not the fucking place for kids that age. I think it's fucking stupid. I remember going to the Vanguard, uh, a year or two ago and this punk rock looking couple had a fucking stroller <laughs> and the guy had his PBR in the cup holder of the goddamn stroller. No shit. I'm not fucking kidding you. And I've <laughs> wanted to bitch about this here and there, but I just never did. But it's just like, you know, if it's like an outdoor thing, you know, and, you know, it's, you know, sit on the lawn, bring a blanket. I get that. But these fucking club shows, just because they say all ages, doesn't mean let's bring the whole family. You know, case in point, at nothing more, we were over there, you know, sitting, standing by the bar, drinking our fucking monster energy because it's, you know, Thursday night and we have to drive back. So we're not drinking alcohol. And there's, and there's a guy and two girls, and they're probably 20, 21 years old, and they're obviously completely fucking high on Molly or ecstasy or whatever the fuck, because they're all fucking making out with each other. Just three of them in a big pile, 
Fucking, I mean, it was over the clothes, but they were all groping each other, hands up their butt cracks, hands on their fucking junk. I mean, it was insane. This, this kid had his hand up both of their shirts. The chicks were making out. Then they'd all three make out with each other. It was fucking insane. Everybody was looking at him and snickering. One guy was like videotaping it. It was fucking, it was so, it was so much that they got kicked out for it. <laughs> And you, and then you, and then, you know, two feet away, you've got a five-year-old kid on the floor sleeping with a blanket. It's like, what the fuck is going on here? You know, so I just. Sounds like Woodstock 99. Yeah. Yeah. No, no shit. So people quit fucking doing that. Um, be a fucking normal parent, be a responsible parent and stay home or get a babysitter. That's fucking stupid. Well, even more extreme than that. I mean, I've been to, been to shows where there's like a legitimate newborn. Like, not even new, I'm talking like oh. less than one with the headphones. Like, they have the little, you know, noise-canceling headphones, which yeah. I guess, at least they're being somewhat responsible there, but it's still... It's still... You know, there's shit in the air or no whatever, shit. you know, that like... Remember the fucking, remember the goddamn it, Rocklahoma? Yeah. Some dude held up his baby in front of Kid Rock in the photo line. Yeah. What the fuck is that about? Yeah. You know, there's <laughs> so many things wrong with that. First of all, you... It's Kid Rock, so fuck that. Second of all, what are you taking an infant to Rocklahoma for? Because he's a dumbass. Exactly. What the fuck, man? But I was out there watching Kid Rock too, so fuck me. What do I know? But <laughs> right. but still, it's like but but, but you I, didn't have your yeah. nine month old baby. I didn't in have your yeah, hand yeah. with its head trying to support its head. Yeah, no shit. I mean, it's just fucking insane. Just insanity. What what goes on? So yeah, quit fucking doing it. Um, you know, uh, I don't know. Put your fucking meth pipe down and fucking watch your kid. <laughs> right. That's all you got to do. <laughs> you know what? The shrine is 21 and up. Yeah. So there won't be any four-year-olds sleeping during Bunnies and Doom. No, there won't. And I cannot fucking wait. <laughs> this Saturday night, March 9th, we got Van Knife, Destro, The Shame. Let me re-say that. The Mighty Shame. Yes. Be mighty, mighty. That can't say it because the is in front of it. But anyway, <laughs> I'm putting an extra word in there. The mighty Chad Malone and the shame. How about that? Yes. And of course, the great bunnies of doom have returned. It, and it's and it's going to be uh, bunnyful and doomful. That's and, right. And um, we're going to fucking watch it and we're going to see it. And you some know. people might be like, "Hey, I thought you guys were going to the Tulsa Music Awards at the Ideal Ballroom." Well, guess what? We are. We are. We're nominated for. One of the awards, Best Digital Media, so we'll be out there. And, of course, supporting all our friends and all the bands we like that are nominated, like Sprout the Anti-Hero, Screamer Red Mutiny, um, Who Else Down for Five, Yeah, uh, Mud Flux. I mean, uh, we're going we're gonna to be... And Driver nominated, I think, or yeah, finalist. Sorry. We're, we're Western Horn be... and Hush. Anyway. Yeah, we're going to be there for all that. <laughs> yeah. But... As it happens, if a bunnies do bunnies of doom reunion is going on, we have to fucking be there. Yeah, and we're gonna bust our ass over to the shrine to check this out. Uh, you know, later on that night. That's right. So, and it's only five bucks in advance or seven bucks at the door. You can't beat that to see. It might be a once in a lifetime event. You That's right. Know. It's been twenty four years since this lineup's got together, and it's been what I think you said twenty one years since. The band's played it all, so definitely you don't want to miss this, because who knows when and if it'll happen again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you got to get down there for this. There's just no two ways about it. That's right. 
So yeah, this is a band that, I mean, we've talked about it many times before because Cantrell's been on this show now. This will be his third time. And Stacy, this will be his fourth time. Mm-hmm. And we mentioned both in the episodes when we had both of them on early on that, you know, Bunnies of Doom was one of those Tulsa bands that we kind of latched on to as a band that we really loved from the area because yeah. we saw them several times opening for other acts in the area or whatever because yeah. that was the time towards the end of their run there the last couple of years was when we were you know getting old enough to just go to shows anytime and all that stuff yeah 92 to 95 that exactly. kind of thing and we were at shows all the time and we saw them a bunch and them and Pitbulls on crack were kind of the two bands from the area that both of us yes and it's kind of like at that age you're pretty impressionable so you're 15 and you hear a band with that name but is it doing we're in pitbulls and crack you're like you instantly like him regardless of if you heard him or not yeah <laughs> yeah you're like well i gotta see this yeah and it was badass you know right so yeah i say we just get into this because this is a good one here we go david cantrell and stacy lane bunnies of doom You know, so I finally had some income. You know, I didn't have any money. Never had money. So I put in the group pilots, you know, you cover gigs, so I had some money. So I was like, ah, you know, I just had the whitelist Paul. I was like, well, let's get another guitar. And my guitar teacher was like, hey, I know this guy in Jinx that makes guitars, you know, custom guitars. And I was like, hey, custom guitar. They're okay, cool. So he hooked me up with this guy. And so anyways, I wanted us, I was like, yeah, make it like a 59... Black Beauty, you know, just do that. But I only want two pickups. I don't want the third one. So the guy made this guitar for me. And like this part of it, which is the part that he didn't actually make, is the part that he sent off to his buddy to make, is awesome. The neck and the headstock sucks. (laughs) So so I paid 1200 bucks for this guitar. And, you know, I... I never remember it, it sets, ever playing. Yeah, it sits in the corner over there. So, <laughs> anyways, but since I had it made, I'm, you know, I could never sell it. I mean, right? I mean, who's gonna? Yeah. Who's gonna buy it? Give you what? Yeah. So what you spent to it? Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so that guy, I, I, he's. I had never. I once I got the thing, and I never saw the guy again. So I don't know. Wow. I'm going so. Anyways, so you're not gonna play it at the shrine on March? 9th? No, I don't think I'll play it. <laughs> I mean, this, this guy, you know, think about it. Is this guy? It's got it's got the uh, same EMGs that I have in all my other guitars. I like have all that stuff. So probably the guts are worth more than the guitar. Yeah, so it's crazy. You know, he made it and then he just disappeared. Well, I remember there was a big newspaper yeah. article about the guy. And he was making strats. His thing was he did strat bodies. Remember that? You were like the first. Yeah, I was the first less yeah less Paul type guy and. But the thing was, is that he that it was a hoax because he didn't he didn't actually the bodies he he sent off to this guy in Mississippi that made the that cut the bodies. The guy had like this 
and I, I'm not a I'm not a gear guy. I'm not a geek guitar yeah. tech guy. I mean, I, I play guitar. I don't know whole, all the deals about it. But so this guy had like one of those machines that in that he could. So you you would put like a guitar on the stand, and then he it would run. It had like these things that would run the course of the guitar, and then it had something over here that like cut the the guitar wood over here. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So it, here was your template, which was an a- actual 59, you know, Black Beauty Les Paul. And it did all the things here. And then it cut it over here on the actual piece that you wanted. So so that's where all the bodies were made. And then this guy in Jinx, he made the, all the necks and the headstocks. Well, that was the worst part of the guitar. So <laughs> you, could get, you could probably get like an Epiphone neck put on there. Or, you know what I mean? No. Yeah, because I and I well, yeah, I probably could. I mean, that would be more affordable than getting a Gibson neck. But <laughs> yeah, I, I took that in to have it set up afterwards, and it was funny because I took it over. You remember Tulsa Guitar and Electronics? Oh yeah, oh yeah. So who was who was the guy? He's not there anymore. He's at the other place now. But who was the guy that was there forever? Uh, I can't. I remember his face. I never knew his name, but I had I had my carbon in there all the time. But Jesus he's, Christ. Yeah, well, he he worked on that one. And he's like, yeah, I came and picked it up, and he's like. Hey, I, I set that up and everything, but I'm just telling you right now, that neck and that, that, that sucks. <laughs> yes. I was like, thanks, man. I just spent 1200 bucks on this guitar, uh, but thanks a lot. <laughs> what do you do? What well, do you yeah, do? yeah. What do you do? So, anyways, appreciate you guys coming yeah. over here. So, Oh, yeah. No problem. How far away were you? You said you were pretty close? Yeah, I was, I think it said four miles. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah that's what, where we met you. Which year, was that your place? When we did the oh yeah oil yeah, capital, yeah. yeah yeah why did you guys decide that now is the right time after twenty some was it twenty one years since the last it's been twenty four years I think that okay. we played one gig in nineteen ninety five so it was kind of funny I don't know well it's not funny but in retrospect <laughs> it's kind of funny we put out a second CD and didn't do anything and then played one gig and then the other two guys moved away. <laughs> so Stacy and I kind of made sure that CD got finished because they were also doing another band called Dead Clown which is actually going to play the night before so they're they're having two reunions but I figured if that was any way that could help get Jason into town then it, you know it'd be worth it so I'm like Jason you don't have to come for just one gig you'll have two gigs but I was turning I'm turning 50 so I used it as a as a guilt reason yeah. <laughs> Come on, guys. I'm 50 now. I'm not 49 or 51. <laughs> so uh, I knew Stacy would be Jones and play with Jason again. So it was like, I don't know. I, you know, that lineup lasted two years and we did a lot of work then and then just hadn't played, uh, you know, those songs. Most of them haven't been played since. Stacy and I did a version of Bunnies that lasted a little bit after that, but we only ever played a couple of those era songs anyway. So. This gives us a chance to revisit it once, and you know, I don't. I think it's been over ten years since Jason's even been to town, anyway. Wow! So I just figured, you know, I'd go for it and see what happens. You know, it's, it's so far so good. I need some wood to knock on this morning. But you guys tossed around the idea before now at all? Well, Stacy and I played together for many, like over a decade, so we've got different rhythm sections we could do reunions with so we just chose the the hardest one to put together <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i think 
you know, for us too, part of it, you know, there's like, like Dave said, we did, so we did two CDs and, and one and a half of them were this lineup. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. So, and then, you know, when we got done with that second CD, we never, we, you know, it had disbanded and everything. So this was really a good opportunity for us to, you know, be able to do this, obviously celebrate Dave's birthday. I mean, that's a cool thing, turning the big five zero, and obviously, I mean, we grew up together, so you know that I'm not much further behind him than <laughs> that. So, um, great opportunity to do that. And, and, um, uh, I, for me anyways, too, I think that the, you know, what we're going to do, these songs, you know, if you were to ask me, hey, could you do this in 10 years? I don't know if I could do that. So this probably might be the only opportunity for us to play these, you know, perform them, to pull them off. So so it's probably a one-off thing or? Yeah, I mean. Yeah. I mean, well, I would, these, these people. I mean, Jason lives in, Jason the drummer lives in Austin. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's the hardest lineup to get together part. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Pete lives here, so Pete would be easy for us to, you know, to collaborate with as far as that goes. But to get Jason here, um, yeah, that was, you know, this is this is a pretty monumental thing, you know, for us anyways. I mean, for the other people that are going to come see us or not come to see us, they, may, they probably may not give two shits. But for us, I mean, this is a pretty monumental thing yeah. to get this the, this group of guys together. So, And we, like Dave said, we wrote a lot of music. We did a lot of stuff together. And... Um, you know, Jason and Pete have a, have a, you know, a great connection, you know, both from the, the bass player, guitar player, but also in Dead, Dead Clown, which, you know, Pete plays guitar in that one. That's right. Yeah, I think they all swap off and maybe. Yeah. So the, so the songwriting part, they, they have a, you know, a great connection. So this is a, you know, a great opportunity for us to, to pool all that and play. Yeah. I think with. You know, we would never call anything. We we did a version of the bunnies after Jason left, but I mean, Jason is really associated with the bunnies because he had a version of the bunnies before it. Stacy and I were even in it, so it's like, you know, it's almost like Saturday Night Live. What's your favorite cast? Right. Or what's your favorite year? <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. So, <laughs> you know, there's some people like you know. I, I'm kind of. Applying, you know, you know, in the documentary, Andy Williams, you know, had said something similar about pimples on crack. You know, it's like some people like that one, some people like this one. It's like, but this was one that was on the CD. So whether or not, whatever you think, or who should who should be in Bunnies of Doom, like this band, you know, put out the music on 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 the discs and played. So. No earlier, no earlier version did that. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you mentioned to us at some point, I don't remember, I don't think it was when Seven Mine was on, but you said, or maybe it was, you said you didn't remember any of these songs. Yeah. So you had like, I mean, was that, that the case for you too? Would you have to like relearn everything or is it stuff still in your head? Uh, I've been, haven't been that active, outside of a couple of Bozak reunions, I've been that active musically, so I've been plumbing my archives so I'm I haven't been singing it but I've been more aware of it because I've done a lot of remixes over the last couple of years so I've been more probably involved with it the other three guys are off doing new music so <laughs> you know Jason 
Stacy, of course, the Severmind Mind, Pete, and he's got a local band he knew and plays, you know, as a side man with tons of acts around town. So they've all moved on, and I've, you know, since I've been back in town, I've just been going through the archives while I haven't been doing anything. And so I'm probably more familiar with it than any of the rest of them. <laughs> and my job is easier because they played a lot of technical stuff, you know. At the time, it was, you know... The big balls, big, you know, show us your dick, musicians. <laughs> you know, we want to have the biggest cock in the room, you know, if you get what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Musical euphemism. Yes. It was like cream. It was my, like, I was trying to stay on time yelling over the top of three dudes that were soloing at once. <laughs> so <laughs> that's, that's a great way to put it because actually that's what, you know, I, we, we talked, actually, whenever you guys came to the interview, I think I told you this too, just over messages. But I, you know, you came and interviewed Severmind, and you mentioned something about bunnies, and we had already talked about this, and I already was seventy five percent sure this was going to happen. But I, you know, I yeah, I, yeah, I couldn't say. Yeah, and I was I wanted to leave that someone's birthday. We don't know, yeah, right? I remember, okay, I remember, yeah. I wanted to leave that more today to <laughs> you know make that announcement. Do all that. And plus, you know, there's I mean, you know, that was so far I. You know, you know how life is. You 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 think one thing is going to happen this, and then you know, two days later, it doesn't happen. So I, you know, but anyways, and I started looking at the songs back in December, and I was like, hmm, all right, well, I don't play guitar like that at all anymore. So yeah, it's 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 been a challenge for sure. And Jason, the drummer, is like, I don't play drums at all like that anymore. So it's like, <laughs> right, right. It's like you know, as long as you play the parts. As long as, as the rest of us don't have to change what we do, I don't care what you do. As long as we don't get lost by what you're doing, reinvent yourself, it's fine. Yeah. Well, when's he going to get into town and when are you guys going to be able to... He's supposed to fly in Monday. Okay. And then, yeah, he's pretty much going to be rehearsing all week long with us or Dick Clowns. <laughs> yeah, so we've got, I think we've got, we've, got two, we've got Tuesday set up and they, they've got... Big clown on Monday, Wednesday. Hopefully, we'll get a Thursday in, and then we'll play. So, yeah. so yeah, <laughs> so really two two full band rehearsals. Is yeah, it? I think that's wow. what we're looking at. Yeah, so because yeah, then they'll play Friday at Starlight, and then we're and then we're Saturday. So he's gonna be busy. I think we, I think there's a pretty good you know lineup too. With you know on Saturday, you know, we've got the Shame that's, that's playing as well, yeah. and I think. Um, I think it'd be cool from that that aspect. I mean, because you know, Bunnies is not, it never was a very. I mean, we're not just you know, an out of the box, you know, buy off the counter, you know, off the shelf band. You know, we're we were always different, and we could be. I don't know. I mean, I kind of not the same type of thing, but I always think about somebody like you know, like a Mr. Bungle or something, or a you know, a, a Faith No More with you know with just you. All over the place, you know, it could be really heavy in one second and not, and then you know, and it could be kind of punk and then it's not, and then you, you just never knew what you're going to get. So, uh, it'll be pretty cool. And then Terry plays with the shame, and so everyone can really get confused, you know. <laughs> <Is> everyone... <laughs> Aren't you in the bunnies? And Terry said he ran into deeper trail, and was like, I'm gonna be there, I can't, I can't miss you guys. And Terry didn't think he was talking about the shame. <laughs> like, yeah, because you know what? We're competing with that award show. Is it the same night? Yeah, okay, yeah, they're 
Hopefully, we'll be coming over after they win, right? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I, I, I said you're on the list, so I'll put you on the list. You know, if you can get over there by 11. Oh, we're, we're going to, yeah, it's going to happen. Can't miss it. So, yeah, I guess that's why I originally I tried to get into the Vanguard because I like the idea of an all ages show, but I guess that's why I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I'm glad to have it at the shrine, you know. Because I'm all, you know, when we were doing bunnies too, we were still young enough that. Or we didn't have very good gear, you know, and to hear those songs through his setup now has excited me. The thought has excited me for years because he was playing through PVs back then. You know, of course, it would hopefully some of the dust will go off the yellow Les Paul because I, <laughs> I have a nostalgic attachment to that thing. He got it when he got out, graduated from high school, so that's always what I, you know, you know, Hendrix with the white strap or Stacy with that. You know, smoking Les Paul. It's the trademark. There you yeah. go. Yeah, and, and that'll definitely be played for some of the songs. Um, and, like, and like Dave said, yeah, I think too the the advancement in technology and what we have. I think about some of the 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 rig lineups that I had. You know, I mean, I mean, I had stuff that was completely unconventional to you know, to have to play through a you know some type of little tiny amp that I had to pipe into like a just a PA power ramp that would go into a cat, you know, cabinet yeah. that was just completely not, you know, professional whatsoever. I'll just <laughs> leave it at that. So it'd be nice to have a real tone for these songs. So, and I'm assuming I don't know what I don't know what uh, Jason and Pete are playing through, but that's I mean, always a mystery with those guys. But <laughs> but you know, yeah, I mean, I know Pete plays all the time, everywhere, and so I'm. And that's where we're going to rehearse. We rehearsing at Pete's house? Last I heard, I believe it's Pete. He never said we were, you know, he had talked about maybe us being able to rehearse at the Nightingale Theater, but he never said that was going to happen. So, probably his house. He's Pete. got a full lineup of stuff, so. Yeah. And he's stayed bohemian through and through. So. It'll be, yeah, I'm not, I haven't seen his rig. I think, tell me about it, but I, I don't remember what it was, but. Yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be experience. Hopefully, they have some sort of PA. My PA is ancient, dilapidated. I'm sure we'll be feedbacky a lot. <laughs> it needs to be retired. Whether or not I keep going after this, you know. So, so I guess to summarize all that, I would say that there, you know, we're going to have. There's going to be some definitely some new elements, but there's definitely going to be some, you know, uh, probably some old school punk rock a little bit that's yeah. going on as far yeah. as some of these things go. So. <laughs> It's a great, it's an interesting mix. We got this band, Band Knife, that's playing. They used to be called uh, Adolescent Apes. Then they had a lineup change. And I've written a song with them. I occasionally collaborate with them. But they got their own thing going on. And those are some of the guys from Machine in the Mountain, right? Yeah, JoJo. Okay, from, JoJo from Machine in uh, the Mountain. Machine okay. Mountain. He's yeah. one of the guitar players. Uh, the drummer was the last singer in Dead Orchestra, Justin Fenley. Oh, okay. Um, the guitar, the other guitar player came from, uh, was in a fairly big Chicago band called Sidekick Cato. It was big in the nineties, you know, they just, and they reunite occasionally and play with, uh, what was it? They just, Alkaline Trio or something. They went up to play with them. Um, and then the bass player is a guy named Reed, who's in a band called Constant Peril. That'll, I'll be death metal later, I'm yeah. telling you. Yeah. And then a band called Destro was 
is playing, which they're kind of groove metal-y or some kind of mid-tempo groove metal stuff. The um, uh, the singer is a guy named Jonas Goins. I think that's how you say the last name. And then the the only other guy I know of them, he hit us up. I guess he was a Big Bunnies fan because he hit me up just a couple of months ago to see if I had any CDs left and I brought everything I had. <laughs> like, sure, sure. <laughs> and then, uh, and of course, the shame. So, yeah. I was going to say, too, that's the thing. Also, this is, we're, we're going to have, it's a, it's a one-off deal here, but I mean, we're still going to set up, you know, set up the merch booth and we have, between Dave and I, we still have like the, all the CD stuff. I mean, unfortunately, we don't have any T-shirts to sell, which would be nice. But we don't have that. But we still have all the all the discs and all that to sell. And, and I'm sure you guys might have some oil capital stuff that we can put on that as well, yeah. so yeah. we can kind of make it a you know a merch booth for all of that stuff. Um, and you know, kind of my travels through Severmind, you know, different people as they kind of learned, you know, my background have hit me up for. Are you wearing bunnies or didn't you? you know, I mean, even if they didn't even know, it's just the name itself. It's just always, you know, it's different. So they would, oh, well, send me some of that stuff. So they, you know, I've sent out for free. I just send them discs, you know, hey, am I, I, don't, I mean, they're not doing me any good, right? right. Sitting in a box. So yeah. I'm like, hey, if you want them, I'll send them to you. So I think we'll get some, we'll get some uh, people that have, you know, I've sent stuff to that'll, from the Severmind scene that will come in, you know, to that. So that'll be good. Um, I mean, overall, I mean, I think we want to try to make this, I mean, it's a one-off, but I'd like, you know, we want to try to make this as kind of a, you know, fairly big, big deal for, for just, I mean, not for just for us, but, you know, for all the bands, but, you know, want to try to treat it as not just a, it's a reunion, and if however it goes, however it goes, I'd rather, let's just try to go full out and yeah. make this yeah. as good as we can. Slow it out, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. We've got this. Uh, there's a local lighting, psychedelic lighting company called Molten Sun. I've hired to come out to, you know, deal like, like here at Woodstock or not Woodstock, like Monterey or whatever, like Kendrick should be playing, you know. <laughs> Bunnies had a really psychedelic angle back in the day when we were younger. So, I mean, you know, it, the drummer's drum kit used to all be hand-painted day glow. And how we wrote songs was kind of alter our consciousness with a black light under his drum kit and that's the only thing that would be illuminated and they would just jam for hours and hours and they would record them all and I'd get lost and I'd just sit there and float through outer space and then every once in a while Jason who could keep it together would stop and say you're supposed to be making up lyrics <laughs> and then they'd go back to us like to what? You guys are taking me other places and there's, I can't find anything to sing to because your guys are weaving in and out so we had that to us anyway. Now if we can bring that like in a slightly controlled manner back, at least the vibe of it, that would be cool, you know. And, and really, too, that's kind of some of the things about the, the songs that we wrote. That's kind of how a lot of them came about. As I relearned them, I was kind of remembering that we had like these jams that they would talk about. I mean, they might go on for like, you know, six hours or or maybe even longer. And, and you know, they were probably impaired jams so but Jason would record all this stuff and then you might three or four days later he'd be like he would have gone through all of that wow. and said 
I got this, I got this, I got this, and I got this, and we need to put this all together and get, you know, and so then, then we would start the song, and, you know, process and all that. So, which, you know, I just, I mean, for us, I don't know about you, Dave, but I just, I just kind of relied on him to, to do that, you know, I mean, I certainly didn't have the patience to set through, you know, six hours of people jamming. So. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, we, we, he set us up in some weird place in Kiefer once. Remember, we drove all the way up to Kiefer and recorded mm-hmm. all night long. Just boombox, and they just jammed, and then trying to make your way back from Kiefer while you're impaired, shall we say. Yeah. <laughs> it was... Was yeah, interesting. It's <laughs> like who, who? Who's this? How, how do you know these people? We're just jamming in their house. Don't even know who they are. We just showed a, up. I think it was a trailer. <laughs> yeah, well, like, yeah. I mean, I guess you're right. It was a trailer in the. He always would find those. those <laughs> so. Probably somebody he was having illicit business transactions with. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, yeah, we got. I mean, we always got good returns out of it, you know, and that's kind of part of what made. I mean, for us, I mean, I, I'm, you know, I'm not going to speak for anybody that listened to us or came to our shows, but for us, that made it appealing. We always got this weird kind of, it was, it was never really a conventional songwriting experience. I'll just say that. So so when you guys rehearse next week, you're going to do any six-hour jams, or is it just going to be straight? <laughs> <laughs> I'm way too old for a six-hour jam, yeah. I can tell yeah. you that. I and just kind of, yeah. We'll do what's necessary. How about yeah. that? <laughs> we... We were trying to work out a set list through emails and stuff and four-way messenger and that seemed to not be going well, so I just picked ten songs and said, do these. Yeah. <laughs> you you agree or if you if you if there's one you don't want to do, but I most I mostly picked the ones that were in the Pete era. I mean Pete would have done any one of them, but I we picked ten songs and I think he was involved in the writing of seven of them. So Yeah. And 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 that's the great thing about P two is that he's so versatile and you know, whether I mean I would say that, you know, he did there's really no ego involved, you know, I mean whether he was involved with them or not, he you could give them to him and say, Hey, you know, do your thing and he would go do his thing and, you know, it'd be it would come out to be great, you know. So it was it was his versatility and just, you know, ability to adapt to whatever we gave, you know, give him. And he's, that's one of the great things about him and makes this easier. So yeah. it's an even split. We do four from each CD and then two from this, uh, comp we were on called Cream of Whoop Ass. So it's a pretty even split. So, and I think they all go together. Well, I think it's got a nice heavy flow. It'll be cool to hear how it sounds now. But who knows? They may change it and say we all decided to work up this weather in a song. So I guess at the end of the at the end of our second rehearsal, we'll actually know what we're doing. But. Right. So I mean, I think it'll be you know, I, I would like for this to be something that kind of captures you know the essence of what some kind of bunny shows you know were and all that. But obviously, you know, speaking just for myself, you know, I'm an old man compared to what I was. So. Um, We'll see how that works out. I mean, <laughs> well, you had mentioned that you guys are filming. Are you filming the whole show or just like a song or what's the point? Oh, I'm gonna film. I've got a dude out to film the set. Yeah, um, this guy Dave Ketter. He actually used to be in the Shame. Uh, he works for Channel Six, but yeah, he's got some 
cameras, and it's Brian's birthday, but, you know, I'm, I've relieved him of the duty of shooting. It's a, we're sharing birthday. Brian's birthday is the first, I'm the seventh. And so we're, it's a combined birthday party, but, you know, he said, he said he'd edit it. So if, if it turns out, if it's worth editing, then even if it's not worth editing, he can work his magic and make it cool because he's, you know, as an editor, he's like the equivalent of Stacy as a guitar player. So <laughs> it's just some of the things he can do, you know, if you've seen with the doc, I can only imagine what he could do with that, where it's actually new footage. So if he can make us not look 50 years old, that'd be cool. Yeah. <laughs> if he can yeah. do some of that. Filters. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like Michael Douglas and Ant-Man make us look young again. <laughs> Is that something probably for YouTube, or are you going to do something special with it? Or you... uh, well, we'll see how well it turns out. I mean, a lot of it determines on how well the set sounds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, I would like to... We're going to capture it, and then we'll make a judgment call, you know, get Stacy over to review the audio with me once that's done, and then we'll make go from there. I mean, at the very least, I'm sure we'll cobble together something from it, but I, I, I mean, in my dreams, we could you know, make a concert movie, but we just have to wait and see what we end up with. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I do. So I think it'll be interesting to see where we land after the, the practices and all that to kind of figure out where we're actually truly at, you know, as far as what we can do. I mean, it's, it's kind of one thing to, like, we, you know, got the set list that we came up with and, and kind of run through it, but let's let's see where where we're at when we get yeah. done with it all, and then when we get up there to to play and all that kind of stuff, and um, you know, I mean, we've all played, you know, we've all played a, a lot of gigs since then, you know, and so I think that the you know the professionalism and all that, we should be able to figure out how to get there, but at the same time, um, we also know that you know there's a certain amount of uns- there's a certain amount of uncertainty. Yeah, <laughs> so that's really a real phrase or not, but you know, you, you you know that things are going to happen. And, you know, you just have to kind of get up there and, and play, and and you know, we'll just. I mean, my feeling is, or my my hope is that we just turn it loose, and and if we, if we get some clams and in, in, you know, if I hit some clams on some stuff and some you know whatever bad notes and. But the energy's all there, then so be it. You yeah, know? Right. Well, that's right. Cool. Yeah, exactly. That's what, you know, I, I'm so kind of nervous because to me it's such a big deal. But so it's like part of me, we had wild shows, unbridled, unhinged, but then it's like walking straight, the, the, you know, the balancing act. If I want it to sound clean and professional and tight, or, you know, it, you know or, but still have that energy, you know, where you, where you never know what might happen, but you always want it to come back. So it's, you know, I'm just, I need to let go. I, when Jason's lands in the airplane here in Tulsa, then I might be able to relax and whatever happens, happens. But right now it's just like, is he going to get on that plane? <laughs> 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 and after that, you know, then I, I'll lose a lot. I'll, I think I'll lose a lot of my stress or anxiety when then, you know, when I get the call that he's here. Because whatever happens, it happens. I mean, basically, I just wanted to make a play, but you know, just to get us four guys together again and see what happens, you know. But then I have always, I have this problem of always trying to take it to the next level. You know what I mean? I could have set it up in a smaller place and just 
But I was like, I want to hear that big. I want to see it showcase. I want to hear it through, you know, wall of sound on a big stage like the Shrine, at least. You know, I don't want to settle. You say Cody's running sound, too? Cody, yeah. Cody Bailey's going to run sound. and Supposed to record it for us. I do a lot of my little on-the-side studio editing and archive plumbing with Cody. So it's like, hey, take this old... This whole thing and make it sound better, and he's he's magic at that. It's kind of funny. Stacy and I, our first band was called Asylum, and we, uh, you know, we did all, all our recordings. Then, you know, we were learning. It's like grade school. You know, you don't go back and I can go back and listen to them and think, you know, I like that song or that was fun. But it doesn't. It, I think the first degree of professionalism with as regard to studio work came out when we were with the Bunnies. You know, somewhere in the bunnies. But uh, the other day, I went over to Cody's and I just sent it to Stacy. And we like was remixing a song from '91, like this poetry session I did. And we just stripped it all down and just took all the drums out and just Cody built this great loop and did uh, he did scratching and all this other shit that we ever used. Well, eh, why not? I don't care. Throw <laughs> throw everything awesome. in it. He got done. I was they they sent him. I was like, that sounds really cool. I mean, you wouldn't know that it was done so long ago. So long ago, yeah. yeah I just had a, you know. Yeah, it's, yeah. The guitars, bass, and vocals were done in '91, and then we built it up, rebuilt it. You can rebuild it. it. The tape is so obscure. The only place I could find that transcribe uh, that would transfer that that style tape was in Australia. Wow. So I sent it to Australia. They sent a link back to Cody, <laughs> yeah. and then we pulled it up, and I was like. You should have picked a different tape. But now I feel like I've got to do something with it. <laughs> I went to all the trouble. I paid for it to do it. And I sent it to Australia. So we gotta we gotta re- use something from it. And so we did that just the other day. So it's gonna Duh. if Cody can make anything sound you know, if we, Cody captures it all, I'm sure he can make it sound good, you know. And he's you know, you guys know Cody? I I I've met him years and years ago, but I probably once or twice. Well, he's, you know, he walks, uh, he like operates in all worlds. You know, he was in the, you know, in the 90s, that agro industrial metal band, Jacob. Yeah. But then he's also a tech for Peter Frampton. So, <laughs> and, you know, and then he does a lot of like pop gigs or, you know, DJ gigs. So, playing every instrument and all yeah, that. Yeah, stuff. he's just, you know, he's so. a pro. And his dad was a legend in the local blues rock scene promoting, you know, bass player. So his dad made him, I guess, learn the fundamentals, right? One. At the beginning, you know, yeah. it's like to, to always be hireable, I guess. Yeah, that's what my boy learned. You know, he's playing piano. I was like, you got to learn these to read. That way, even whether or not you ever want to be a musician, but if you are, and once you're, you know, the little window of your your pop era passes, then you'll always be hireable. Yeah, because <laughs> you can, you know, read and learn up, learn from, you know, ground up. Because I never did that. I'm not hireable. Why glom on to people like Stacy? <laughs> <laughs> you know, are you hireable? Yeah. I hope so. I don't know. <laughs> Stacy, so, yeah. Sometimes I, I don't know. I mean, you, I wonder, but uh, Stacy reads. He's schooled, educated, done. You always want to play with someone better than you. You know. Oh yeah. And I think I think one thing also I don't know I don't know how far this conversation got but I think you know you know something for Dave and I you know Dave's got he's done all these things as far as like the lighting show and the the production as far you know the video and all that but I think you know like 
Pete and Jason bring the, I know Pete had been talking to you about having some different interludes between songs and that type of stuff. I didn't, I didn't really catch all that, but I suggested that to him because he's got that old style synthy keyboard. And I thought, you know, some swells or, you know, ambient intro music would be a cool addition. Yeah. They, I mean, you know, that's, I think those guys think outside of the box too, to get, you know, and, and, and it's not just on us to figure all that out. I think once, you know, we start to, you know, they've already got some ideas and once we start getting together and they'll, they'll kind of figure out how they want the flow to go and be able to do some things where we, you know, won't be just on us to kind of figure out, Hey, how to make this whole thing go. Those guys are super creative and I, you know, I, I enjoy not having to have that pressure of, you know, figuring out how to do what, everything besides just play the songs, you know, one through whatever. Yeah. So. Well, you mentioned Asylum earlier. Is that the next reunion? <laughs> <laughs> that was 2010, man. Yeah. <laughs> was it? Did it happen? Yeah, we did. The 25th anniversary. Was that 25? Uh, it was 2010. Yeah. 85 to 2000. So we had a 25th anniversary show. Or yeah. We used uh, Chachi. Uh, from Bozak, Tribe of Souls, and all that, on, and Sons of the Dust. He played drums because Terry and I had also played with him in Bozak, and Bozak covered a couple of Asylum songs, so it was easy. Uh, you know, I don't know exactly what the future will bring, but you know, maybe someday we'll revisit some stuff. You know, next year's thirty-five, I guess. <laughs> oh, my goodness. there you yeah, go. So, yeah, so we, well, that'll be the you know, the unplugged version y'all have been waiting for. <laughs> we don't feel like carrying the heavy shit anymore. Playing that, yeah. you have to keep. That's the thing, you know. You just have to keep finding younger drummers. <laughs> you know, Black Sabbath, prime example. Yeah, yeah we're like, hey, it's not Black Sabbath with Bill Ward. It's like. I love Bill Ward for what he did, but, you know, if the new guy's better. <laughs> because those other guys need all the help they can get. Yeah. You know, if Bill Ward falls apart, then the rest of them are just going to fall off the stage. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, who knows? We'll see what happens. I mean, it, um, I don't know. Dave and I bounced around some stuff for, for post to this. I, th- I think, you know, right now we want to just... We, we want to get this thing done, <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. You know, we, just, uh, it's just, we talk about a lot of ideas, but I'm kind of ADD, and so I probably fire off so many at him. He's like, "Whoa, slow down!" But I, I, I am like, "This is what's on the plate. We'll take care of that. Well, if anything turns out, we'll let the death settle." He's got, you know, he wants to do. He's got several mind, and he's got new stuff to do with them. So once the dust settles, you know, and if there's free time later on, you know, we'll discuss who we want to do some stuff with. I mean. Terry's like our brother, and so it'd be cool to do something with him again sometime. But you know, we'll just we'll just see what happens. You know, I mean, I'll probably text him once we leave here. Five songs we should do. <laughs> <laughs> asylum has a huge the, the asylum. You know, Bunny's managed to get most of the stuff recorded, and you know, at least half of it decently recorded. Asylum's got a huge pool of stuff that. Was never adequate. Asylum never made a good recording. <laughs> but there's a lot of good songs there. A lot of, I mean, it was inexperience and, you know, gear and, and you know, production and low budget, you know. So that's, I'm not saying, you know, 
So maybe that's what you need to do for the 35th anniversary is record a couple of songs. Yeah. There you go. See, <laughs> see if anyone remembers. I mean, I was... The 25th anniversary went... That's a loud noise. Surprisingly <laughs> well. So, I mean, we had over 100 people fill up the... Now now it's Blackbird, but I, what was it? Eclipse? Eclipse. Yeah. Eclipse yeah. It was packed. I was very happy and pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I thought so. I was, yeah. And that, you know, for me, that was actually kind of the gig that, that kind of got me, you know, I, I had been doing, since I had stopped playing Bunnies in, in 97, I had, I had been playing with uh, Group Pots doing all the cover stuff, which, I mean, was, you know, is and was and still, you know, is a great thing for me. I mean, it made me a much better musician just having to learn all kinds of things that I never thought I'd have to learn. And and um, great experiences and and but at the same time though that I hadn't played music like heavy music I guess I'll say in a long time and we did that asylum deal and I was like I mean I didn't think I even missed it yeah to be honest I mean I and we we did that show and I was like huh yeah I think I kind of I mean I kind of miss playing this type of stuff you know and that kind of got me back into the I mean, because we even talked about it didn't really happen. We yeah. even talked about it after that show trying to trying to get it all back together. But I mean, you didn't live here then. Well, no, I was going to come in for gigs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, we, we try, we you know, we didn't, and then just and it didn't happen. And then about that, that's about the time that you know, not too long after that is when you know I transitioned to to Severmind. But that was kind of the the reawakening for me for that type of music. So. Right on. Well, it seems like it'd be a lot easier to put together than Bunnies of Doom. So. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, uh, <laughs> well, Asylum had so many drummers. Yeah, I know, man. <laughs> Asylum had so many drummers as long as Terry's there, but, you know. Asylum was like Spinal Tap. I mean, we have one drummer that is mostly associated, you know, with us, but, you know, Hedberg, he was like the longest tenured, but we had a lot of drummers. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, Derek, Derek was there. Yeah. Yeah, Derek was the very first drummer. He was the first drummer. That's how, that's why, I mean, it's. <laughs> Derek, here's a, you know, Derek had just got a drum kit. Me and Stacy went over to check him out when he was like 15 or whatever, 14. It's like, I, I can play Give Me All Your Loving. That was the first thing I ever heard. <laughs> yeah, I don't even remember that. Oh, I don't totally remember that. Like, okay, I don't think we're going to work that in. <laughs> he can play Give Me All Your Loving. I remember that. <laughs> Yes. We, and we, oh, we did a demo back when Derek was in the band. This is, we're going way back. 80, was it 85? Yeah. What did this dude, he was legally blind and his mixing board was in Braille. Oh my God. And we had no idea what we were doing. And Terry was in the band, but he didn't play bass yet. He wanted to be rhythm guitar. So we did a demo. And I don't know why we didn't think, but to go back and like have Stacy over it up and Baseline, but they just played two guitars live in this little just dude's little garage for you know, eight track studio, and you know Derek had a huge drum solo in it. It's pretty humorous. But uh, and then we all brought our share. We were all dividing it up by force to pay. Derek <laughs> handed the studio engineer back a quarter and said, "Here, I guess you'll be able to play a lot of video games." It's like, dude, that guy's blind. <laughs> it, was, it was awesome. I mean, yeah, it was like, it was like yeah, he didn't get it. He didn't know, but he, that's just, he, like, his share. He had a bunch of quarters. 
or somebody had quarters. I don't remember, but they. I remember it was Derek who said that. Yeah, Derek said it. I think. I think as a band, we paid in quarters. Oh, wow. You know, we paid. But but and it, but just to show you how unobservant we were. I mean, he had laid down like pieces of paper, like. I mean, I don't think he did. I think his wife had laid down pieces of paper. This is a studio guy. Had laid down pieces of paper like for the walkway so he could hear himself walk, right? You step on the paper, it makes noise, and you can kind of yeah. hear your track. So, you, wow, you remember that? See, I don't remember Well, that. Here, here's the kicker. Is that, I mean, I didn't, uh, I mean, we didn't, as the four of us, you know, we didn't even pick up on that. That was weird, you know. We were just like, huh, there's paper on the floor. And you just go on. You don't even think about it. Well... I somehow I figured out he worked with my mom. Yeah, that's how we figured out. I think that that he was blind. So I was telling her about. It. I was like, yeah, this guy's name is so and so, and she's like so and so. And then I talked to the guy later on. He's like, yeah, I work at you know I can't remember where it was. And turns out yeah he's he's blind. Well, that's why we was putting paper down because he so he could help him. I don't think he was all the way wow. blind. I think he could like see that we were there. Yeah, but I don't think he could be reading his problem. But we, he, had, he got a he had a bag full of quarters for some yeah. video. <laughs> yeah. 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 How we paid for that session is we would go down to Chandler Park and pick up all the fucking cans. Yes, <laughs> <He'd go laughs> all the like, it's Saturday, guys. Let's hook up. And I, my dad, my dad owned a John Deere dealership, and so I'd take his big John Deere pickup, you know, work truck, and we could get a big bag of trash bags and go out to. Party there. We just go down under the rocks where all the high school kids were throwing all their beer cans and taking like 20 bags. Just I'm like, all right, there we go. We can get two hours of studio time. Right. <laughs> yeah. yep. The kids today are doing that, that's for sure. <laughs> They're not going looking for cans or nothing for studio time. <laughs> well, we, yeah, we weren't. We were always, I mean, I, I guess, went to, I think we were probably 15. Like, we should make a record. We hadn't even done a gig. And even if we'd done a gig, we had couldn't play. You know, we never played any place that would have paid us. I, the first place we, the only place outside of my backyard that we played was Big Splash. We played Big Splash, and I think didn't they fire us or something? Yeah, they, yeah. But my voice was going through the change that day. It was like a bad Brady Bunch episode. <laughs> we we couldn't even really write songs. You know, we didn't. I mean, I had no concept of. Verse, chorus, verse, chorus. You know, just any of the basic, you know, intro. Hey, man, here's a riff. Here's a riff. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's play these till that sucker ends, you know. Yeah. Play for... I'll, I'll write three verses for it. Go. <laughs> yeah, so that was... <laughs> There's your asylum story. Yeah. <laughs> Are you happy, Trent? Asylum's <laughs> <laughs> got a lot of that, you know. I kind of sometimes... I Asylum and Bunnies are... So distinct, different. It's harder for me to think of as two distinct personalities because it was always me and Stacy. But I mean, someone like Terry, I'm sure it's a completely different entity, you know. And Terry was very important to Asylum. So I mean, it was I was words, Stacy was music, and Terry was visual art for it. So I mean, we were all like, and then we had different drummers. So if Asylum hooks up again, maybe we can find some great, you know, 25-year-old in-shape non-alcoholic drummer to do something. <laughs> great sense of time. That, no, no. that will corrupt and... Yeah. Well, both Asylum and Bunnies and Doom were a big part of the documentary. Like, yeah. you were involved with it as far as just on the interview end. 
So what do you think about the documentary, seeing it? I mean, I know he's got a different point of view because, you know, he was heavily involved in it. But as a fan of watching it, I guess is the way to put it. I thought it was awesome. I mean, there was so much stuff on there that I didn't even know about. I mean, as far as, and I'm talking about the, my parts. I'm talking about what came before me. All that, I mean, when it started and there was all that, I was like, man, I, I, I some of the stuff I would have been too young for, you know, there's it's just not conceivable that I would know what that is or being able to go see it. But at the same time, I was like, I had no idea all that existed. So I was really, I mean, I felt really educated you know, by, I mean, um, I mean, entertained obviously, but I was really educated by all this stuff that had come before me and it kind of helped me understand, um, you know, what, why we were able to do what we were able to do was because of all these bands and, and some of the guys I knew later on, but I had never, um, I didn't know their background. I didn't know what they had done to kind of get the scene to where it was. And so that was a, a great educational piece. And then obviously, um, and obviously I had great respect for everything that they had done and a lot of talented musicians there. And, and then when it came to our part and the, the scene that I knew and I remember, um, I, you know, I thought again, they did a great job. And the only thing I'll say is that for me, it was really, you know, we did the, those interviews and then, you know, it was a couple, I don't know how many years later before it came out. So I'm like thinking we went to, I went to go see a thing. I'm like, I don't remember anything that I said or did. I'm like, man, I'm about a, I'm like a douchebag up here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, you know, I mean, or just like an idiot. And, you know, it was, it was for me, just, it was unnerving to see myself on, you know, be interviewed and on a, and then on a big screen like that, I was uncomfortable. But, um, as far as the, the work that these guys did and everything, I thought it was awesome. Yeah. How about you now looking back now that you're over a year, removed from it are you happy with everything oh yeah, yeah you know it's kind of weird because oh, seeing it water so, I saw it in sections so many times that there was a lot of the stuff that Brian put in to it that watching it straight through I guess they're like they put it, the DVD in DVD in fairly recently to show somebody who hadn't seen it and I was like appreciating some things that I probably was oblivious to in the midst of making it so, yeah, it was cool. It was long, time-consuming, and it's, you know, now it's available on Amazon Prime. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Brian's been working some magic. He's been pushing that. We use his, uh, his uh, station, because we broadcast it on the station he works for, actually submitted it for any consideration. So I had to join the, I don't know what you call it, the Emmy people, to, yeah. to be... To be eligible, you have to be a member. So I became a member of that. To, so in case it wins, I can see what happens. So, yeah, it, it almost seems surreal now that, I mean, it took so, you know, whatever, six years to make that once it, now it's like, I don't even know what I think of it. I mean, Brian, or, I mean, I think it's great. And I love the way it turned out. It just, it's, it's weird that it's over. Yeah. Yeah. And it's almost like you, you keep thinking of things that you could add to it, or maybe we should interview that. Oh, I, that's it's done. It's over. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's taking on a life of its own now, and it's and I really love seeing that it reaches people that I don't even know at all. Ooh, I'm sure. <laughs> Sweet. Cookies, cookies, and everything. Yeah, there you go. And I don't know if I mentioned it. We didn't. I can't remember if we mentioned it. Thank you, sir. And that one interview, but. 
the first time we showed it the preview screen when that one new uh we talked about a musician that had passed away from the early scene that we never knew um a guy named michael automatic and then uh, so we gave him some props and that and people talked about him showed pictures played some of his music and then after that screening, we met his widow and daughter, and they told us how much that meant to him. And it's like, that's why, that's why we did it, you know. Notwithstanding just documenting our little circle. I mean, because originally it was started off to be our little circle, you know. I just thought it, we kind of talked about it, and, you know, it's like, let's start with NOTA, because they were like the big overshadow of us, and move, move in from our era, you know. We were all involved in our age group, but then, yeah, once we got more into NOTA and then and we started interviewing some of these other people about the early scene, and then that's what, that made it last another year, and then we decided, Brian and I made the decide, we're like, well, now we got to go back to the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> well. So, and I knew a lot of those people, and I had some of those records, but then, you know, a lot of that stuff even I didn't know at the time, and I was kind of the, I was kind of the historian or whatever. Because I've always been, you know, growing up, anybody that did anything from Tulsa, if they're, I read the entertainment, the world every day, and I'm like, who's this band? It's a new wave band that put out a record or whatever, and I have to read about it and yeah. follow their career, you know. Such a thing to do it. So mm-hmm. can I. The <laughs> thing that I thought that gave me a chuckle out of the, when we went to that, um, is, you know, there's the part with Kay and, you know, how he is, and, you know, a lot of people <laughs> think he's difficult, and... It's on the screen. He was happy. He happened to sit in the row in front of us, and his phone kept ringing the whole time. And he'd get up and take it right there, and people were staring at him like, "What are you?" And I'm like, "See, he's still right here." Being, just, I, I got such a kick out of that. I thought it was hilarious. Art life. Yeah. Art yes. life. Here yeah. <laughs> I mean, right as it was going up there, there it is, and people were staring at him, and I'm just like, "Oh man, that's great." Okay. He is a legend. Yeah. yeah. So many of those things are worth their own documentary, you know what I mean? So the way Brian stitched all these stories together and made connective tissue. Connective tissue that you didn't realize was there, you know, first. Who never would have thought you start with a band, what were they called? Oh no. One of the early pop power pop bands and how you connect that to what Asylum was doing just five years, six years later, which at the time seemed like decades. <laughs> By the mid eighties, the early eighties just seemed like the sixties. But then like you know, you know, obviously I think about Roger Scott, you know, who was in Cenotaph, who we played all those gigs with, and then he went back to Los Reactors. Los, yeah, Los Reactors. I never <coughs> I didn't really get that. I mean, and just musically, you wouldn't get that connection either. Yeah. You know, I mean, just having people that are, I mean, he was able to bridge that, you know, that gap of, you know, those two different styles of music, yeah. you know, and, and bringing that all together. And then, I, too, I didn't realize Bunnies of Doom, we, in our later years, we rehearsed in the NOTA, NOTA headquarters. Yeah. I didn't, at the time, I really didn't realize that. I mean, it was just a place that we rehearsed that was, and then once I, you know, I kind of, after watching the documentary, I was like, huh, we used to rehearse there. I had no idea. I didn't <laughs> oh, know yeah, that. Jason 
also was in a 90s version of NOTA. Jason grew up, you know, worshiping NOTA, and then he was in a band called Crimes Against Humanity with the guitar player from NOTA, which Jeff tells a great story in the documentary about that, Jeff from NOTA. So then when NOTA got back together for the 90s, they ended up having Jason, who was a natural fit for him since he had kind of grown up with them, you know, idolizing them. I mean, so... Yeah, we you tend to rehearse whatever the drummer's drum kit is. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. what it was. You know how that is. Uh, so. yeah. <laughs> well, I remember in the document, I can't even, forgive me, I can't remember who said it, but someone said that he thought Bunnies of Doom should have changed their name like later on because it was a totally different band. Yeah. Like, Dave Toby, be the original bass player. So okay. Yeah. yeah. So what is what is your guys' thoughts on that? Because it wasn't ever brought up after he said that in the doc. Well, at the yeah, you think you know <laughs> if the controversy is on such a small, right. small local level that outside, I mean, to me, it's like see, like I said, people might like one version or the other version, but the controversy even now it came up again about what's real. Like it doesn't even matter. It's such a small local ten people controversy of what is. Technically, sure, at the time, it was a whole different thing. So most people would just say, I'm going to change it. But, you know, it's like, by the, you know, if you, like, take Black Flag by comparison, it's like, by the first EP to the last record with Rollins, the only same person was Greg Ginn, the guitar player, and their sound had completely changed. So should they have changed their name, or does it even matter, you know? Yeah, I I didn't, I was, it's kind of weird. I I mean, so, so Bunnies of Doom... The version before that Dave and I were in, they actually recorded their tape or demo or whatever at the same studio that we the Asylum recorded at. So I knew, and I and I actually had a day job there working <coughs> not for that studio. That studio was located in a warehouse, and I worked in that warehouse. And so I, you know, was familiar with all that stuff, but you know. To me, I, I never thought twice about it. I mean, in hindsight, maybe it would have been a good idea to use a different name. I mean, certainly by us, it was meant as no disrespect to anybody that was before us. I mean, it was just, you know, we started playing with um, Jason and and Dave Toby and, and you know, the, the two guys that were from the older version of Bunnies. And then whenever the topic came up of a name, uh, you know, Jason had done all the artwork, right, for Bunnies. And so... I, I don't, and they they said Barney's a doom, and so I was like, okay. I mean, it wasn't any. I don't know. I didn't put any thought into it. It was a cool mm-hmm. name, cool artwork. Here, you know, here we go, and, and we started playing. So yeah. maybe in retrospect, may, would it have been a better idea? I, possibly, but it just kind of it was what it was, and you know, it, it is what it is. The decision and, was made then, so I mean, and, and it's still a whether. Okay. I'll say this, whether I, I was in the band or not, or if I never was in the you know, band, still a great name, and some of the stuff that came up, artwork-wise, was awesome, and I mean, even, uh, you know, I was... Terry did a lot of artwork for it, too. So. Yeah, yeah, Terry did a lot of stuff, you know, for this version of, of Bunnies, and, and um, you know, to this day, I mean, I was even, just a couple weeks ago, I was at the, the gym, and I was talking to this a buddy up there, and... 
this guy I know he's he's a drummer and he he was like when's your next gig and so my next gig is Bunny to do and so I was telling him and he's like he's he's a much younger guy he's probably the 25 year old drummer we need for us <laughs> <laughs> anyways uh, in shape dude that can probably do all of it um, I need to remember that <laughs> but, um, and so and he's like well, who are you playing with and I told him Bunny's to Doom you know and he's like Man, I never heard of him but that's a great name you know so I was like I was like, okay, well, there you go. So, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, once I might have maybe was a little resistant at first, but once we decided that, just I decided you know, we're going to own it. You're right. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, well, I mean, we're going to own it, and we even made the weird, you know, at the time, a slightly awkward decision. But once Jason decided to move, and then Dave Toby came back into the band, you know, we had boxes of CDs and shirts at the time and we got Steve Beard for the last version and we're like and I was like Jason we're just going to keep calling this Bunnies of Doom I mean you didn't you chose to leave Tulsa no hard feelings that he wanted to move on the next step of his life so it it wasn't anything to do with the band but I was like there's no reason for us to change the name now I mean we've got all this and we've got the original bass player back so I mean if Steve what is okay with being money to do so I mean that so that went up to 97 before we finally that was like maybe two years maybe the last two years yeah but then you know it's still like we wouldn't do that now I don't know I mean you know we could do a reunion show with that lineup in 2001 so it's been 24 years since this lineup and 18 years since the last lineup mm-hmm. yeah you know, see, the thing about it is, is that, I mean, what I've learned is that there's a lot of, in the local scene, there's a lot of, I don't know, commingling or incest or whatever you want to say. I mean, I mean, the only band that I've ever been in, I think that I was the original, one of the original founding members was Asylum. I mean, you know, I went from Asylum, obviously, to, to Bonnie's of Doom. Like, we just discussed that whole topic about that name was with people before us. And then, you know, then I became um, the guitar player in the group class. Well, there was a group class before me. I replaced somebody there. Um, Several mine. I mean, there was somebody there before me. Yeah. So, I, I mean, and you couldn't, and I, that's my example, but I mean, if you look around all the bands that are, you know, out today playing and doing all that stuff, I mean, how many of them are, have their original lineup? That they first, you know, I, I can think about when for several months, I could think about the bands that we played with, like our first year, like at Rocklahoma, the of local bands, you know, that we played with on the access stage. Well, how many of those bands still have those same four or five members? I well, doubt yeah, very it, many of them. To me, you know, until like there's a lineup that's putting out the records that you know from the records and their performance. So if a band had a different lineup and never put anything out, then how is that the real lineup? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, somebody made a joke once to me, and he I worked with him. Uh, and uh, he was like, we, but this is for the 2001 reunion, and I, he was like, so is so-and-so the first singer going to show up that this is a reunion? And I'm like, that's like asking if Pete Best is showing up at Beatles reunion. <laughs> <laughs> So, no. If they want to get together and do a reunion, that would be cool. 
I guess it would be weird. <laughs> but I don't see it. <laughs> yeah. I got nothing against the earlier version, and I hope they don't have anything against me. I mean, so yeah. it would be, you know, what would be really weird. It's never going to happen, but it'd be kind of cool. If the, the three main lineups did one big all night show, you know what I mean? <laughs> Go up, choo, yeah. choo, choo, just kind of. I just, yeah, I don't really have any. I mean, yeah, I just, just play, and uh, I don't think. Uh, it's I, weird I to have, have to think stuff. of a qualifier, yeah. you know. Yeah. That's why, you know, I advertise it. This is the lineup. These are the people in it. I'm not doing a blanket statement. We haven't hired somebody new to fill in for somebody, you know. This is the specific lineup that's going to play. And if you like that era, and you know, like us as friends or musicians, can't wait to see you and play for you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. We probably made it more of a controversy than any. Like I said, ten, ten people maybe care. <laughs> right. And I think at this point, most people just associate Bunnies of Doom with the music that Stacy and I helped make. So, I mean, I was of the age where that's the only thing I heard. Yeah. Oh, exactly. It's, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. We just we did a lot of stuff under that name, and. Uh, you know, it's you know we release the discs and all that kind of stuff, and so uh, there you go. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we don't. I mean, we don't think. I certainly we don't try to think about things in terms of you know competition with other folks or anything like that. It's really not what we're. We just do. I mean, we're just trying to play the songs and yeah. have a good time together. So there it is. Whoop. There it is. Yep. <laughs> cool. We appreciate you guys doing this. Well, thank you. Thank you. Man, you guys do it, making this time for a bunch of guys that haven't played a gig in 24 years. I think it's an <laughs> awesome thing. It says a whole lot about you all to take your yeah. time to come do this with us. So, hope we don't disappoint you guys. Hopefully, <laughs> it's not your lowest rated podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what do you do? Who? I don't know swipe left or swipe right, but whichever the bad one is, swipe that way. Yeah. Ooh, who's that? What is it doing? That's a great name. I think my kid yeah. watches that cartoon. Let me go <laughs> Right on the very edge. See, but, you know, the asylum thing was nine years ago, so the memories are still intact. You know, you'll go almost a decade and then you're like, Dude, people got to remember I would. It would be very scary to try to do a thirty-five asylum thing. He's like, who remembers? Yeah, and you know, to that, I guess I'll say this too. It's one of those things where, even as a you know, you know, playing like in Severmind, and I'm sure you know, well, I mean, you know, I mean, playing in a local band, you still have some certain people that come out to see you, and they mm-hmm. they know some of your songs. Well, this deal. Even though we had the two CDs and we played all those shows in the nineties and all that stuff, I'm I'm pretty doubtful that. I mean, you know, my wife doesn't even know what one is a Doom song. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So I'm pretty doubtful that any that no there's going to be anybody that when we start to play there's thing. I mean, nobody's singing along. They might be getting into it, but there ain't going to be nobody singing along because they know the song. Yeah, well, they don't really sing along songs anyway. But here's a funny little story. It's like the last version of the Bunnies of Doom that was playing in the '90s. That's actually where he met his wife. We we culminated. We had we used to do every year. We would do a Easter show, Bunnies of Doom Easter show, and we got big enough at one point or whatever to do it at the Canes. Yeah, and uh, my ex-wife knew his current wife and brought brought her to the show or something. 
So that's how they actually met was through Bunnies to Do. But you know that lineup, yeah. that that's lineup, is, that was a special reunion show even then, wasn't it? I think so. We did because yeah. Steve, the, the last burger, had gotten a job where he was working nights, and so he was kind of phasing, phasing, phasing out. Yep. It was, yeah. So that was so we played that show, and then. Uh, they, like two months later, Stacy got offered to join the Groove Pilots, and we'd lost our drummer, so he went for it. And uh, then we just, and then we did the 2001 show with that last lineup. So yeah, a lot of the people I talked to weren't even born yet. You know, I worked with people <laughs> that were just kids. <laughs> so yeah, what year were you born? Oh man, well we broke up right before you were born. <laughs> but here's a CD, so listen to it. You yeah. like kind of heavy, funky stuff. <laughs> Come on out, check it out. You know, <laughs> you work with when you work with people, and you realize you're the age of their parents, and they're adults. Like, oh. oh yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's your mom. I got look at high school her. Well, you're. Yeah. So, we promise it will not be old man rock. No, it won't. <laughs> to do it's still gonna you. have an edge. It's, yeah, it's gonna be kicking. Dave and I will be the most in shape. Old men you'll ever see. Promise you. <laughs> like our old days when we would bring the dumbbells to the to the side of the stage. Be like Doyle. Don't warm up beforehand. <laughs> if we're getting because back then we just played in shorts, so you know. I don't think I'll be doing that. Yeah. <laughs> My wife would dread it if I did. If she'll even show up, we'll see. <laughs> well, thanks, guys. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, guys. Thanks Appreciate for the cookies. It. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> man, look at that, man. Got cookies out of the deal. Yeah, looked out. That's a first. There you go. Dave Cantrell and Stacy Lane of Bunnies of Doom. A big thank you to them for taking the time out to have us over to talk about a lot of stuff from the past and what they're doing to prepare for the show and everything that's going on. Very cool and very glad to be able to say that we've had Bunnies of Doom on this podcast now. Yeah, that I mean, that was really cool, you know, uh, being, what, 16, 17, and seeing these guys at the Eclipse, and then, you know, all these years later, here we are talking to them and stuff. Um, it's really important, and, you know, it, it's, it, you know, these bands that, w- that we that we talk about, Bunnies of Doom and Pitbulls and, and you know, the early stuff like that, um, you know, uh, that was super important to us. It showed us that, you know, we can do it too. Um, so to be able to have these guys on and, you know, um, and just kind of let them know what we think and all that kind of stuff. It's great. It's good stuff. Yeah. And we talked about the documentary in there, the old Capitol underground. Yes. Documentary in both those bands you just mentioned that primarily here, Bunnies of Doom was featured in that. So if you're not familiar with them before hearing this podcast for some reason, then go check out that documentary if you can't make it out to the Shrine, if you're not in this area. Yeah. Even if you're not from the Tolson, don't know any of the bands they talk about, you'll know some of it because there's a little piece on the Sex Pistols being here and the Circle Jerks. And and it's on Amazon now, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah you can get on Amazon Prime yeah. and all that stuff. And it's just a great documentary about a period of time and punk rock in this area of the country, so. Very cool thing, and like we mentioned earlier, Dave Cantrell was on here before. He's one of the filmmakers of Old Capital Underground. Terry Waska and Brian Crane were on here with him, 
And then way back, he was on here just by himself talking about all that stuff. The mm -hmm. documentary, Bunnies of Doom, Asylum, Bozak, all the stuff he's had going on in his life. And then Stacy Lane, this was his fourth time to be on. He was on way back, like episode 10 or 11, with Derek Sanders from Severmind. And then along with the rest of the members of Severmind on episode 100 and episode 200. Hell yeah. And as you'll know in the future, probably episode 300. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. So 87 episodes from now, be sure to look out for Stacy Lane on a Thunder Underground podcast for the fifth time. Maybe the sixth time by that point, you don't know. <laughs> So if this is your first time checking us out, you've got a ton of episodes you can go back and check out. Like I just mentioned, those, whatever that was, six episodes right there. Yeah. If you're into punk rock, we had on Lenny Lashley, who was in the Street Dogs. We've had on the Normandies, who are from this area. Chad Malone has been on here. Steve Ray from Pitbulls on Crack has been on here multiple times. And then we've had on a litany. I haven't said that word in a long time. Nice. I like that. Of random people from the rock and metal genres, like members of Megadeth, Gene Simmons of Kiss, Shooter Jennings, Seven Dust, Warrant, Shinedown, Clutch, Overkill, Sid Falk, yeah. Candlebox, Crowbar, The Obsessed, Prong, Prong, Black Star Riders, or Slash Thin Lizzy. A huge long list, 212 previous episodes. SoundCloud.com backslash Thunder Dash Underground. You can also listen on iTunes, Google Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, Mixcloud, most anywhere podcasts are heard. We're also on YouTube at The Thunder Underground. We have a lot of videos we post now where it's just us talking on video about random stuff going on. Cheese. Yeah. Yeah. We had a review of some cheese that was Def Leppard and Guns N' Roses branded cheese. So go check that one out, along with some other album, song, concert reviews and stuff. And subscribe to that channel. That would greatly help us. And of course, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. Like it. Anytime you see a post, like it or share it. That helps us as well. Helps spread the word. And we would greatly appreciate that. Hugely appreciate it. Yeah. Bigly. Bigly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, once again, this Saturday night at the Shrine in Tulsa, Oklahoma, the Bunnies of Doom reunion, which will also feature The Shame, Band Knife, and Destro. The Tulsa Music Awards is also going on at the Ideal Ballroom. And there you go. I think that covers it for this week, doesn't it? Uh, I think so. Yeah. You know, we didn't really talk about the fact that I just worked at and saw Metallica in Wichita. Yes. And we are going this week to see Metallica in Kansas City, but I think we'll talk about that all at once here in the next week or two. Yeah, yeah, I think we're going to have we got some things we're yeah, you know. Yeah, working on. Yeah, we might we might uh we we might uh get James on the podcast, you never know. Yeah, yeah, we're waiting on final word for that, <laughs> you know, here in the next week or so. Sure. He's like I haven't done a podcast since Joe Rogan. Fuck it, I'll do this yeah, one. Yeah, why not? Yeah. <laughs> But all right, that's good. Until next time. <laughs> these are, these are, these are we need school. to keto up so we can get shredded and watch more abs by the show. Yeah, that ain't happening. <laughs> <laughs> Thunder Underground, y'all. <laughs>